Have you ever picked up the Bible, read a passage, and then after reading that passage, simply been left with the question, what? So several weeks ago, I was speaking, and I said that many times Pastor Michael will make the preaching schedule, and uh, I don't actually look at the topic. I just say, sure, I can do that. Um, well, this week, I might... This might have taught me a lesson because I got a passage that it's just weird. Some people have stated that it's about racism. Some have said it proves that even Jesus makes mistakes. And some are just left showing, you know, the, the shrug emoji. Now, when people are struggling in their journey with God, or maybe they've just started their journey with God, the question is asked, how do I grow stronger in my faith? How do I grow closer to God? And a typical solution is given. Read your Bible and pray. I remember hearing a song that said, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. It's a cute kid song, but it's actually wrong. The Bible isn't always as clear cut as we like to make it. The Bible was created at a certain time in history. It was written in a different language. And it was written with certain social norms that everyone would have understood. Depending on your age and where you live, there are different ways to speak. In Canada, we do this thing. And I mean, I think it's normal, but I've heard people from other countries just shake their heads. When someone asks you how far Winnipeg is away, what do you say? Well, likely you probably say, well, two hours, maybe two and a half if you're going to the middle of it. But here's the thing. Time isn't meant to be a distance measurement. We have kilometers. I guess we just don't use them. People think it's weird that we, you know, judge that space and time. Even when it comes to age, I realize I'm aging because keeping up with slang is overwhelming. Last year, I was told I used emojis wrong. This year, I've been told that emojis aren't actually even used to show emotion. Instead, they're used ironically. I think part of growing up is coming to the point of this acceptance. I'm not cool anymore. Anyway, the Bible has similar expectations when reading. It mentions towns like, I know that map. It mentions areas with the expectation that I know who's fighting with who, where the alliances run, and what religions they follow. Reading the Bible is good. It's important. It brings value into our lives. But reading the Bible is not always this passive activity. It's not like those daily calendars you see with inspiring messages that take a minute to read and then you're good till tomorrow. Reading the Bible takes work to understand passages, to learn what's going on, to understand the message that is trying to be conveyed. The Bible is alive. Reading it is meant to be done in a spirit-filled manner. It's not just a textbook. Work needs to be done. So, today, 
We are putting work in as we work through Mark 7 and what it means. Dear Lord, I pray the words I speak today are not from me, but completely from you. Amen. Let's begin in Mark 7, 24. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and she found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. So are you confused? That's okay. Many people are about this passage, but I'm going to point out three important parts of this story that we can actually relate to in our lives. So first of all, Jesus is doing something here. He is redefining who is qualified. Jesus, he leaves the last place that I spoke about last week. And he's just gone through some major tension with some Jewish leaders. And so he goes to this new place. And I'm not a history or geography buff. So usually when I see Tyre, I usually just don't look too hard. Because whatever, right? Geography. But it is important because this place is a Gentile territory with a history that's actually against the Jewish people. Now, there was at one point, there was a king, Hiram, who lived there, and it was recorded that he gave supplies to David of cedars and craftsmen, and he had also even helped Solomon build the temple of Jerusalem. However, this guy had a daughter, and her name was Jezebel. If you haven't heard about her before, there's some stories in the Old Testament and uh, she, she doesn't have a good, you know, good rap. She marries this guy named King Ahab. They increase the worship of Baal, which is another god. And there's a story in the Bible where Elijah represents Yahweh, the Jewish god. And there's a hundred prophets of Baal that represent that god. It's a super crazy wild story. And it ends up with Elijah making Jezebel super angry because Yahweh wins wins when he brings fire down from heaven. See, even when you think about it, when everybody heard that this Messiah was coming, they thought that the job of the Messiah was going to bring ruin to pagan cities like Tyre. All this is to say that when the story is referencing this place, it's referencing a city that would not be considered a place that Jewish people would have historically gone. However, it's interesting, even in Matthew 11, 21, 22, Jesus references this place, comparing it to Palestinian cities that have rejected him and saying, do you know what? These people in this pagan city, they will fare better. 
So Jesus has gone to a place that would not have been considered acceptable. And he finds a behavior very different than the city he had previously been in. Now, I know Jesus calls this woman a dog. And when I see that, I'm totally confused as well. Why would he say that? That's offensive, right? I don't think that Jesus is trying to say anything about his views of this woman or explain her as anything less valuable. What he is doing is he's stating how the Pharisees would have explained this ranking system in the current climate. You know, Jesus, last week in that passage, he set us up to talk about redemption and not to be people of judgment. He's coming to bring life and he's coming to bring hope. Jesus is explained as the bread of life in different gospels. He uses that terminology, and he uses that same word bread as well in this passage, saying he's coming, not just for those who were chosen, for those who were the children of God, right? God's chosen people, Israel. He is here for all, for those that these children would view as less than. So the question, who's qualified enough to accept Jesus? Who's qualified enough to talk to Jesus? Who is qualified enough to be in the presence of God? Everyone. Qualification is not based on being of a certain people group. Qualification is simply the willingness to accept the bread. Because some of those children are not accepting Jesus. And he came to bring redemption for all. Point number two, Jesus values fervor. So we looked at the setting, the where. Now, let's look at the who. Let's look at the characters. Who is this woman? She's a Gentile and would have been considered an outsider of acceptable people who Jesus could talk to. There's a couple reasons she's unacceptable in this moment. One, she's not a Jew. Two, She's a woman talking to a man without her husband present. Three, she is unacceptable because her daughter is possessed by a demon at home. Now, others would not have let her in the house. They would have ignored her. She's breaking cultural expectations, and Jesus' willingness to even talk to her is outside of the normal. Jesus is trying to keep to himself, to do his own thing. And this woman isn't letting fear or rejection or cultural rules stop her. She knows that there's one thing that can provide healing to her daughter. And she believes that going to Jesus will bring healing. This woman is a great example of faith. There's this one passage I remember, and it was at the first youth convention I ever went to, which is just a big youth gathering. And the speaker spoke from Romans 12, 11, and it says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. When we think of great characters in the Bible, many times we're directed to the wisdom of Solomon, the courage of Daniel, or all the work that Paul did. 
However, this story, although simple and small, shows a faith that is solid and secure, despite a situation that is less than ideal. This woman understands the social ramifications of her approaching Jesus. She's likely one of the few in her area that he believes who he says he is. She's heard the stories and she believes beyond sight. I had spoken previously in Mark, Jesus goes into a town that has firsthand accounts of miracles and they still didn't believe Jesus. So he leaves the town doing few miracles. She begs Jesus though, knowing his power, knowing his strength and knowing he is who he says he is. He challenges her with stating the social ranking that would have been acknowledged at that time. And her response is one of willingness to accept Jesus. A willingness to have even a piece of Jesus. Even a glance of Jesus changes our lives. A small moment of Jesus changes our lives. The more we are in relationship with him, the more we experience his glory and who he is. In Mark 5, there was this woman thinking, even if I touch just touch his garment, I will be healed. The understanding that even a moment with Jesus changes our lives forever, she's asking for a crumb. She's asking for a moment with the one who created everything. What if we prayed like that? What if we viewed God like that? A moment with God, a crumb of God's glory. What could that do for our lives? How easy is it for us to take granted of the opportunity to spend time with God, to experience his love and his joy and his peace, but instead I take time to ask for more stuff. I take time to put other idols before him. What if instead I spent time being with him? What if we spent more time focused on spending time with God instead of thinking about what he can do for us? Number three, Jesus is faithful to all. We talked about the where and we talked about the who, but now it's time for the what. What did Jesus do? He healed. He came through. And there was very little discussion recorded, right? What was written about their interaction is Jesus only says two sentences. One is some sort of testing statement And the next is the conclusion of you're going to be healed. Jesus has approached the Jewish people. He approached them and received questions about how he was doing things and statements about how he should be doing them differently. Jesus, in this story, he doesn't even approach the Gentile. She comes to him. She seeks him out. She knows that he is going to give her something that, that she can't receive anywhere else. There's a physical healing that occurs as the demon is gone from the child. But how much more is done through that act? We don't fully know because we don't hear much else about this lady, but we do know that this shows an example that the message of Jesus has surpassed the typical Jewish places. It has changed the lives now in pagan nations. It has brought hope to a people group that doesn't understand Jesus. 
that didn't grow up with this belief system and likely that doesn't follow any of the traditions. But they have a spiritual fervor to know God more. Jesus does not request this woman to act in a certain way. He doesn't give her a book of rules to earn her daughter's healing. He does not explain to her, you know, how to be saved. Jesus heals because the faith of this woman shines through. And how she came to grow in it, we have no idea. The woman begged Jesus to heal her daughter. And his first response is this weird wordplay of some sort. Have you ever felt yourself in that situation? You need something from God right now. And you just wonder, is he not listening? Or is he just messing with me? You're saying, God, I know I know better. I need this right now. And his response is weird. This could have made the woman frustrated and she could have stormed out. She could have shaken her fist and said, answer me. However, she continues to wait and speak to God. We can approach our our prayer life like this transaction. We pray this so we expect something in return. And when we don't get it, hmm, then we can get frustrated. Jesus is faithful in the end of the story. The child is healed. But there's a weird confusion in between parts where there's this interaction between Jesus and the woman. Do you know what? Maybe you've been feeling in that middle place lately. You're praying and it's like God isn't listening Or at least he sure is answering in a weird way. God is faithful to all. He approaches us with open arms and he says, Come to me, all of you who are burdened, and I will give you rest. It's in Matthew 11, 28. Mark 7 is about the openness of the gospel. It's for all people. It's for me. It's for you. It's for our families. It's for our friends. It's for the people we don't get along with. It's for the guy who cut us off this morning. It's for the coworker that gets on our nerves. It's for that weird neighbor who plays their music super loud. And it's for the person outside of the store asking for food. We're all in need of redemption. We are all in need of the hope of Jesus. We all need the bread of life. It can feel sometimes when life is going good that we get opportunities to, you know, have the bread of life, to be with Jesus, but we don't want it. There's these other things taking our attention. There's other food. There's other idols to focus on. I want to pray for you today within those three aspects of this story. Maybe you've identified with the place. You feel like you aren't sure if you're qualified. You see all these other people and think, why would God want me? Here's what I want to say to you. He wants to use you simply because you're you. All you have to do is be willing. Maybe you've been feeling like you just aren't sure you can trust God. You aren't sure what the big things to give everything to God. You think that you have to fully understand God to have faith in God. 
Faith is about believing without always fully understanding. Sometimes it's about a willingness to simply touch God's cloak, to spend time with him, and reach for that moment of life-changing time with God. Or thirdly, maybe you needed the reminder today that if God isn't answering how you'd like, that doesn't mean he's gone anywhere. It doesn't mean that he's not listening. God remains steadfast. His character remains the same, and he will show up. God is present with us, even when we don't understand it, even when he responds later, even when his response isn't what we want. God today wants to call us to him. And whether this is your first time saying a prayer like this, or you've said it several times before, it is important to take these times to refocus ourselves on God and to come back to him in faith. So pray this prayer, repeating after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me despite the times I've messed up. Forgive me for the times I wasn't my best. Forgive me for the times I've put other things before you. God, I want to put my faith completely in you. Help me to not be afraid and to trust you completely. Help me to give up control. Continue to walk with me in my journey. Amen. If this is your first time praying this, we would love to talk to you. Or maybe if this isn't your first time, but you really need someone to talk to you, we'd also love to meet with you, to get to know you. We do what we do here at CT Brandon because we know our relationship with Jesus changes lives. And we'd love to walk with you in this journey. Please, we encourage you to contact us. We want to walk with you in this journey. And we do what we do because we love people and we love God.